Welcome to the Goblin's Creek Podcast. I'm Michael. I'm Sasha. Uh, have a good episode. Enjoy the episode. Enjoy the episode. This episode was inevitable. <laughs> That's right. We're doing Endgame. We started. We started with Iron Man one. Started with Iron Man and out. And we re we re listened to like the first like couple minutes of our Iron Man one podcast, and in it we were like, this is our post game and post in game MCU and review podcast, and yeah. we're we're at end game. We're at end game. There's only one more film to go after this. There's one more. It's scary. I mean, I will say after this, we're gonna the podcast will not end. Do no. not worry. We're gonna continue the podcast not going anywhere we might do seasons of tv shows we might do some more movies yeah it could be a mix it's kind of all up in the air right now it's up in the air right now we might take us a, a short break and just work on like prose writing for, yeah. a little, for a couple days but i i don't really frankly i don't want to go like a week without doing an episode we do these like at 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 least once every couple days no that's true and i like it no, I like it too. Well, it's good to it's good to watch to make sure that you're watching something, even if it's kind of just the MCU. Well, which is, I, I agree yeah. with Scorsese's criticism of the MCU I do fundamentally. As well. No, I do. So as I'm well. not I'm not trying to pretend, but it is. It's nice to like watch a movie, think about it critically, think about it in the context of our culture, all of these different things. Think about characters and their yeah. relationships, character arcs, and character arcs, and just kind of hash it out. No, it's good. It's really nice. I mean, I think one of the things that's good about starting like with an MCU podcast is that it, it it's simple. Yeah. It's simple, and that's like a good way to start. That's like a good way to start. It's to start with something where there's like a ton of content that you yes. can bur- that you can just burn through. Yeah. But you can just kind of talk about it endlessly because there's so much content. Well, and there's nothing. There really is nothing like the MCU. Like the closest we could really get to this in terms of like characters would be honestly just TV shows. Yeah. Like there's not. I was gonna say Star Wars, but you're more right. Star. Yeah. No. Star Wars. Star Wars is close. Like there's nine films and then the anthology movies. Um, yeah. But true. they don't span the same characters. No. Um. So the close. I mean, the kind of the closest thing we could do is Game of Thrones. Yeah. Frankly. Um. Which is also adapted from a source material. Yeah. Um. But it, it, was, it was good to take this on. It was good to revisit the MCU, especially as people who had... I mean, we, we still agree with Scorsese, but as people who had such, me especially, like low opinions of it. You especially, but me also. Yeah. Um, well, what I will say is my very first episode, in our very first episode, I should say, yeah. I gave Endgame an F- <laughs> and said that if Terrence Howard played Brody, it would be an F. <laughs> And I would not give at, at this point. This is the first thing I should say. I, I, I am humbled. <laughs> I, we watched Endgame, and I had a a fairly pleasant viewing. And I said earlier I would give it a B minus or a C plus. It might be more like a C. Yeah. It's just well. Here's the thing. It's a C if I'm like, what does this movie offer me as like my life? What is, what's substantive what is about this movie? What is substantive? It's like a C or a C minus or yeah. maybe even lower. But as a movie, like, okay, look, viewers, but I'll take you behind the curtain. I had a rough day today. I had a rough day today. Some rough things happened. I won't get into it because this is not a Michael had a rough day podcast. <laughs> but I had a rough day. 
And the best part of it was watching this fucking movie yeah. called Avengers Endgame. And as a movie that distracts you from your problems and you have a basically good time watching it, it is kind of a B minus. It is kind of a B minus. Well, it's interesting because if you we had seen this movie basically three times. I think one of the, before this, one of those rewatches wasn't entirely all the way through, but we had yeah. seen it more or less three times. This is the fourth viewing. This is the fourth viewing. And, and it was the best one. Yeah, if you'd asked me last week, um, Infinity War versus Endgame, I would have told you, and I and I had had this opinion for a very long time. Me too. Me as well. I Infinity with War is superior. I would frankly. have said I would have completely. Agreed. I I do not feel the same way now. No, I I, I don't I don't think it's it's a lot better than Infinity yeah. War, but I do think it's better. I do think I, it's I better. Think well, it's better. when we did our Infinity War podcast, it was so confusing because the characters are so confusing. The arcs just there's no character arcs in that movie. Yeah. Um, and I mean the closest you kind of get is um stuff. There's some stuff with the Guardians, some stuff with D Strange. There's like a little bit with Thor, but those aren't they're not really full fledged arcs. Yeah. Um and Infinity War is just it's kind of it's a grind. It's a bit of a grind. It's more of a the grind. The first than half Endgame. of it is a grind. And, and Infinity War is, is just by minutes significantly shorter than Endgame. Endgame yeah. is three hours and three minutes and it doesn't really feel like it. It doesn't feel like it. We did watch like the first hour last night and then yeah. the last two hours today. So that well, here's nice here's thing, what I'll but... say about that is that we went through the first hour and earlier today I was like, that hour is the best hour of this movie. I'm kind of nervous to go into watching the next two hours, yeah. especially because Captain Marvel was the sloggiest yeah. so far. And I don't entirely blame Captain Marvel because I think like if you're watching TFA or Dark World, like 20 movies in, yeah. those movies would have been a slog as well, yeah. but like... Well, Dark World was certainly a slog. Dark World was a slog, and we were only like ten movies in last season. Yeah. But like, Endgame wasn't a slog. Endgame wasn't a slog. This movie has a momentum to it. It does. Um, and I think that's because it's it's really trying to deliver character moments. It, it really is. cares about that. Rather it cares than a lot about fan mistakes. service. It yeah. cares a lot about fan service. Um, well, that that's what that's my theory as to why this was our best viewing of it. Is yeah. that we've never been more invested in the MCU than now, mm-hmm. and this movie, like, you know, all of the hearkening back to older movies, we appreciated. Like, it, there were there was not a single reference to previous MCU movies that we did not get. Yeah. No, that's true. Like, or that we had like forgotten we about. Were, we, like at this point, we are so bought in in terms of just our what we remember yeah. of the MCU that Endgame was like perfect for us. No, it was there. Was, it, there was just so much background information that yeah, we we all understood there. all the all context. in the noggin. Yeah, it's all in the noggin. A, I, N, aim. All in the noggin. All in the noggin. Ain. Ain. Ain is a funny word. <laughs> I was like, what is that? <laughs> I don't know why I turned it into an acronym, yeah. but I think I'm going to use it for the rest of my life. Yeah. Ain. But, <laughs> Ain. No, that's good. Um, but yeah, it was like, I watched this movie completely sober. I was. I don't think I was sober when I watched Infinity War. I think yeah. I was drinking a little bit, but... I wa- I, we weren't stoned the last no. time the three times that I watched this movie that I was like this movie is not good I was stoned yeah so that's surprising I'm also ill, um, ill. yesterday I almost gave myself a good, 
concussion. She now did. I have a stomach bug. Yeah, stomach bugs are rough. Are rough. There's a lot. There's a lot going on in this body right now. I have had a sufficient amount of vodka so far yeah. tonight. Um, however, um, some of that vodka was drunken specifically for the podcast, and I still enjoyed Avengers Endgame even without the vod. Yeah, I drank for the podcast uh, episode, so it's interesting. Um, you know. Well, I, I think I should talk about the thing I want to talk about the most yeah. before we get into everything else. Just, this is what I'll say. Bro Thor, as the Russo's called him, as the fans call him Fat Thor. Fat th- Bro Thor, Fat Thor. You know who he is. You know who he is. The, my first three viewings, I, was, I didn't like it. Yeah. I thought that they were reducing Thor to a comedic character when he was always... When I, I, because I loved him in Ragnarok and I loved him in Infinity War. Mm-hmm. And so to change him so drastically was a little bit like, why are you doing this? It seems like a reduction of his character. Yeah. But. Maybe the most TLJ move this movie makes. Maybe. Is making Brothor. Is making Brothor, frankly. It's kind of a crazy idea. Well, it's like the Frigg stuff works so well. But, yeah. but before we Oof. talk about that, like. It's it's a it's a he's he feels to me what I would call him is I would call him quarantine Thor. Quarantine Thor. He's stuck playing video games with a couple of his closest friends in his house, and he doesn't <laughs> leave, and he drinks a lot, and he got fat. Yeah, like he only shows up in the village once a month too. That's um, so quarantine. Which is, which is like about his reclusivity and how he's like yeah. dodging responsibility, but it's also like that's what kind of a quarantine is like. That is you gotta kind stock of a quarantine. It's man. like if and you, you can't go out that much. Graduated college as a creative, and you don't know what you're doing, and you like to drink, and maybe you gained a little weight because either you fell off to a ladder, kill a mad titan, or you <laughs> fell off a ladder. What I will say is, what I told Saj is, I am basically a combination of Bro Thor and Ant Man. Yeah, no, you um, are. You're good. I'm, I'm pretty much you're exactly good between. I would say the only other character I would throw in is it's like imagine mixing that with Professor X. I'm kind of between those three Marvel characters. Yeah. But um, I'm complimenting myself too much. But I related to Brothor a lot. Yeah. A lot in this movie, specifically post quarantine, and I think that was the difference. Well, I think it's worth talking about this film in a post COVID world because yeah. it debuted way before anyone knew what was going to happen. Yeah. Um, and we talked about the way that Infinity War relies on. This like cheap understanding of death and mortality. Yeah. Um, which this movie doesn't save. Um, no. but it's just fun enough to kind of look past well, it. Well, it, it investigates a world in which half of all people are dead. But yeah. what it investigates really because it's not totally diving into the idea. It's not it totally invested in morbidity, but it's invested in a world that has been fundamentally changed for the worse. Yes. And and by like immense human loss. By immense human loss, and that like, feels so just sudden and arbitrary. Yeah, and, and like the world has been every just you know it, what it is is the thing of like not everyone is dead. Yeah, but everyone's life has been affected by this event. Yeah. Every single person's life has been fa- affected by this event, and like that is reminiscent of COVID. Well, and it's worth noting too that when COVID kind of first broke um, in the United States, there was like. This, and I don't agree with this, but there were a lot of people who you heard some people be like, you know, this is the cure. Like, there were people, yeah. there were really callous, kind of eco fascists out there yeah, wow. who were like, 
yeah, you know, it's it's time to call a little bit. Wow. Um, I mean, it, it was these are mostly just tweets. Like, I don't know if yeah. there were any like think pieces about it or anything. Yeah. Um, and I certainly think that not nearly as many people are saying that now. Yeah. Um, but this is kind of what we were talking about when we were like the the concerns that Infinity War puts forth with like overpopulation and resources do not exist in a vacuum. Yeah. And COVID really highlights that. No, that's very true. Yeah. No, that's true. Um, that's completely true. Yeah. But I, it's just, Chris Hemsworth brings a, Chris Hemsworth brings a humanity to this character. No, he certainly, well, certainly one thing does. I want to say about Thor is that I think the humor that Chris, that anything that comes out of Chris Hemsworth's mouth, any jokes that he has work, mm-hmm. him getting slapped, People talking about, oh, he's not asleep, he's dead. Feels like people not caring about someone who's in a horrible alcoholic depression spiral. Yeah. That people are not really willing to invest in. Yeah. Um, But absent that, let's talk about the frig stuff. Yeah. I think that's the best. It was the most moving part of this movie. It's clearly, it's honestly tear-jerking because... No, it is. I I was tearing up. Odin gets his due. Odin, Odin gets his due in the previous films, so the fact that they decided no, it's Frigg, perfect. The it's fact perfect. that Odin doesn't show up at all, perfect. Um, this movie doesn't do a lot right by women, quite the opposite. Frankly. One of the ways that it was unexpected yeah. was bringing Frigg back. Because she's this woman who's very unceremoniously fridged. No, and it's world. like Odin gets so much, it's like you, you kind of ex- maybe expected it to be Odin, but it's Frigg. Yeah. And it's like, you know, for me personally, it's like, I'm very close with my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom, I mean, for a lot of people, their mom means a lot to them. But yeah. it's like, you know, the, the kind of the kind of idea that he's kind of this, like, he feels like a failure. He yeah. feels like a complete failure. And his mom has to be the one to be like, everyone fails. The best line in this movie, everyone fails at their, who they're supposed to be. Every, you know, the measure of a person is, is, is how successful they are. At being who they are, yeah, like that's what makes a hero, kind of, yeah. And I'm butchering it, but that's that. It's a beautiful sentiment, yeah. And that Frigg delivers it is is kind of gorgeous. And there's something too about Frigg automatically really knowing what's going on that I love because yeah, I agree. There's something about moms, and it's really what it is, is because at least in our society, and this is not true for everyone, but true for a lot of people. Your mom is the one that raises you from, and we talked about this while we're playing God of War. Um, yeah. Your mom is kind of almost exclusively your caretaker for the early years, the early foundational yeah. years of your life. I and will, again, this yeah. isn't true for everyone, but um, your mom really has an insight into you. They have that an not intuition into have. your character. Exactly. They can read you. Usually, your mom can is the person who can read you better than pretty much anyone. Yes, no, not that, that's most honestly people, true for me. That is true. Yeah, for me, that is absolutely true. Um, Regardless of how that happens, that just tends to be the trajectory. No, it's true, and so and that's very, so that's what's it, so relatable about this moment. No, it's like Odin gives him these lessons, but it's from Odin's experience. Frigg is giving his him lessons based on how well she knows Thor. Yes, 
Also, I love that she's a witch. Yes, I know. She and she's like she. He tries to like warn her and stuff, and she's like, "Look, like I'm a witch. Like I, I know things. Things are happening. I see with more than eyes. I see with more. Yeah. Uh, also, a beautifully written line. It, I know. It's, it's kind of shocking that the lines that come out of Frigg's mouth are written by the same people who wrote all the other lines. I know. It's really astounding. Well, I think they were really just like really tuned in. I. These people, someone worked. here really loves their mom. Someone, yeah, someone here was like, moms are amazing. That's <laughs> true. That someone along the line was like, let's make this about how great moms are. Yeah. And that worked. They try to do something similar with the Howard stuff, but it, it just doesn't land. No, the Howard stuff doesn't land anywhere near as well as the Frig no. stuff does, frankly. Not even close because Roger, well, it's like, it's like, Roger's clearly kind of a douche. Yeah. Well, he says something along the lines of, I've always been more interested in my self-interest than the greater good of the world. Yeah. And it's like, he says that, and then it's like, we're supposed to, like, forgive him or see him as charismatic or, like, Tony redeems him or something. Yeah. It doesn't quite work. I don't... It doesn't quite work. Again, like, I, I don't know if there's anything in this movie besides the Black Widow stuff that I really... Well, I won't. There's more than just the Black Widow stuff that I loathe. Like, yeah, Rocket gets nothing in this movie. No, and no. it's depressing because I, I probably will still say that Guardians Volume Two is my favorite MCU movie. Yeah, and Rocket gets so little. He gets so little, and I think to be, I do think there is a way in which Rocket is written in this movie where it's like all of the progress he has made. He has regressed yeah. because of how painful this is for him and because he lost the family who he who motivated him yeah. to be a better raccoon, to be a better man. Yeah. Um better raccoon, yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but the movie is not the movie they're doesn't care about that death. It's clear that they're just relying on Rocket as the like uh like rude like Well, it, it almost feels like the scenes with him and Thor, as opposed to Infinity War, where it feels like him and Rocket have a real banter. Yeah. In this movie, it's more like... He's the, just kind of bullying him. Well, it's like the Rocket dialogue is white noise just so we can get back to Thor. Just so we can get Thor lines going so we can have a conversation with fucking somebody. No, that's really true. Um, and he also, like, slaps Thor while Thor's in the middle I, of a panic attack. I hated that. And I really mm-hmm. hate that because it's like, Thor says that he's having some sort of panic attack. He said, no, he says that And it's explicitly. just like, the move, I, it's just so unfortunate because it's like, we live in an era where mental health is more openly talked about maybe more than ever. Yeah. Um, and it's better understood i i don't want to get too into it just because it's like yeah. i'm not equipped to talk about like the the in, the mental mental health, health in, discourse industry and, and discourse leftist but, mental health or discourse yeah and, like, internet culture yeah. yeah yeah um but it is like you know a lot of people right now are dealing with panic attacks anxiety attacks and i think yeah. a lot of a lot a lot of people are being a lot more honest about that um, yeah. And are trying to be a lot more vulnerable with people about that. I do believe that to be true. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm an anxious person, and yeah. I both my dearest friends are anxious people. Yeah. Um, but I am like that's just not the way to respond. That's not a model for how to respond. Um, and it's it's not just about being a role model. It's also I don't. It's just not a joke. And like slapping no, someone does not take them out of that. No, slapping someone is probably re-traumatizing them. Yeah. Um, and is, is is really you should never slap someone who's having a panic attack. No, no. Even yes, if you're that. a little raccoon. No, even, just, even if you're a little raccoon with a lot of baggage. <laughs> it's not okay. Um, 
Well, especially because in context of our like understanding, it's like a lot. Some people read Thor's um, arc in Endgame, and and again, like I I love I kind of love Thor in this movie yeah. a little bit. It's some people read it as like a really profound commentary on like depression and anxiety and yeah. trauma, and it's I think the rocket slapping him is clear that the as much as Chris Hemsworth does to make Thor feel like a three-dimensional human, and I think he succeeds. Yeah. This movie is not writing a profound commentary on depression. Yeah. That I don't agree with. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that's a that's a little ridiculous. Yeah. But, um, and, and again, it makes me sad because cause Rocket could... Rocket, with the depth he has and the history and the, and the lessons he learned in Von, Guardians of Iron I know, it's with Yondu. Like, it's like him and Thor could have had in this movie like a really profound relationship based on like trauma and depression and anxiety but it doesn't really happen well it's like thor has lost every single family member so has rocket rocket even explain he goes down the list he's like i've lost all these people he doesn't mention gamora because yeah and the and we were like what i think and i think the reason why she's not listed is because she's not a snap death although it's still kind of absurd because it's, it's ridiculous like, loki it's wasn't a snap death yeah brig wasn't a snap death like death is death and also yeah. rocket lost well them it's all like in the, like a rocket introduces this idea not quite offhandedly but yeah. it, the movie is like the people who got snap death are only kind of dead and it's like why why are they not as dead as anyone else who is dead yeah why is death not arbitrary and comes for anyone yeah. for any reason like why are these people who got snapped so special yeah and that they died in this specific way and everyone else who died is like deserved to die kind yeah. of or deserves not to be brought back like it's it's weird it's, it's weird. a weird logic well that it's the kind of like a pick relationship yeah. with death tony does have this line where i think it's his like recording at the end where he yeah. or maybe some other point in the movie where he talks about how all death is kind of untimely yeah not that death is, is ever yeah yeah something and, like that and the, this is the movie that is the movie's kind of one like nod to that yeah. um but yeah well, it's, it's it, the way that this movie treats snap deaths versus the deaths of, say, like, Loki, Gamora, yeah. um, Heimdall, Frigg, yeah. characters who died not because of the, the, snap, the snap. But who Thanos killed. But who Thanos the, killed. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, they know that. Like, they, they find a workaround like, to bring what is the difference Loki between and Thanos Gamora stabbing back. someone and snapping someone to death? It doesn't really make it sense. It doesn't make sense. And it's clear that the difference doesn't matter to these people emotionally because yeah. they're reeling so much from it and that yeah. it is like they these are dead people yeah um they basically just treat them as if they exist in this kind of nether realm which would make sense if they were all in the soul stone i suppose um or would but make that's more sense clear. I mean, but it's not made clear i think that's in, what's happening yeah. i think that's what happens in the comics if i remember correctly yeah, i don't but I don't know. um because I think that's how they bring a lot of the people back from the comics. Yeah. Um, but in this, they're just, like, gone. They're just gone. Before we move on from Thor, one thing I want to say is that originally I thought that the, the kind of weight gain and making him kind of, like, fat was kind of fucked up. Yeah. And shitty that they were, like, it's funny that he's fat. But post-quarantine and post-having a broken leg... I find it kind of, and and after having been like an athlete who had a major injury yeah. that caused me to to gain weight, it's like, fuck, like, 
Thor, if Thor got, if Thor was Thor, who was like perfect human male, got fat, like it, I fucking bought into that. Well, like it, even like, and this is kind of a little bit big, bigger than that, but it's like for some people, taking antidepressants makes them gain yeah, weight. Yeah, that's true. Like too. there, there's a lot of reasons that people just like kind of like are kind of inevitable and not in yeah. that it's like a major like a change is happened yeah. in your life. No, exactly. Um, and your body reflects that. Basically. No, it's true. And it's like, so I'm actually in a weird way, simply probably mostly not because of the writing, but because of Chris Hemsworth and because of Thor. Like, yeah. And because I, I used, I used to be in really great shape and I'm not anymore. Like I really, I, I thought I was like, Oh, like that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense that someone would go through that. And gain a bunch of weight. Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. And I like that um, when he get when he gets, like, Thorified, yeah. he doesn't, like, magically lose the weight. He just he becomes gets, Thorified. He, yeah, yeah, he becomes Thorified. He gets, like, armor that fits. Just, like, kind he gets of armor that fits and his beard gets braided. Yeah. And he gets the Mjolnir and Stormbreaker. Yeah. But he's the same shape. I don't know what... I will say my one concern with this is... I can't imagine he'll keep the weight in yeah. um, either the next Thor movie or the Guardians movie, whichever one he... Well, hopefully by then I've first. also lost the weight. Yeah. Um, but who knows? But I don't know how that will be written is my concern. Yeah, And, like, true. the jokes made about it and, like, stuff like... like the no, humor that's true. It. The humor about it can cut, will probably cut both ways. Yeah. But that's, um, that's a future movie. That's not what this movie that's is. That's not what this movie is. We can move on from Thor because I feel like we've talked a lot about Thor. Yeah, I do um, like that he abdicates the throne again in the end. No, I do too. Well, it seems it fits. He needs to find himself. Well, and he's an alcoholic. He takes like, he's advice. not ready to be king. No, he's not ready to be king, and he gives the kingship to someone who is. Yeah. Um, and I will say, the like, town in his absence. Valkyrie also has her like alcoholism. Like, I will yeah, say, yeah, like, that this movie just kind the of Valkyrie not have. kind of decide. I mean, this movie kind of decides that Valkyrie is like fit to be king, and yeah. I don't know if Ragnarok sets her up that way. No, that's very true. I think um, it's mostly just a. Res- I think it's part of like the fan response. Yeah, and it might no, also no, be a setup for Love and It's not that I. I want Valkyrie to be relevant, but it's like part of me wishes just like Heimdall was still alive. No, Heimdall as king would be so much better. Heimdall as king. And this is not me being anti, like, Valkyrie being king. It's just, you're right, Valkyrie's an alcoholic. Like, Valkyrie Um, has this, like, kind of, is is kind of similar to Thor in that she's kind of reckless and mm -hmm. alcoholic. And it's not like she's, what we learn of her in Ragnarok, and Endgame doesn't do too much for Valkyrie either. It's like, she's not, like, peak responsible. No, no, that's Um, true. But Heimdall seems to be. No, if they had kept Heimdall around, well, Heimdall saves all of the as. He's the one who takes, takes all the Asgardians on the leadership. and like yeah. gets them to the brig. Like he's the one who hides them from Hela for as long as he can before people show up to rescue them. Yeah. Like he's the. It's kind of like um, I just reread all the Hunger Games books recently. Yeah. Um, Eight hundred people survived District Twelve because when all of the power is cut before the capital bombs them, yeah. Gale gets his team in the mines to bring everyone to the meadow and yeah. they get everyone to tear down the fences and they get as many people as they can in the meadow. It's it's very similar. Like Heimdall does like a very, basically yeah. a very, very similar it's thing. Like, it's like, all you know, Thor is more flawed than Valkyrie. However, not maybe by too much. And yeah. they, they kind of have a similar strain of flaws. Yeah. And Heimdall kind of would have been perfect. Heimdall kind of would have been perfect. It's just that it's it's not as perfect as the movie wants you to believe. No, that's very true. Yeah, this movie completely ignores Valkyrie's alcoholism. Maybe, I mean, 
I don't hate it. There, there's a reading of it where it's like Valkyrie got sober or something. But in those this movie five doesn't years. care. But it, this movie doesn't care enough to clarify that or yeah. say anything about it. No, yeah. It's like, yeah, it is kind of like the Valkyrie from Ragnarok would be drinking with Thor. Yeah. And, and like, playing video games with Thor and not being this like um, competent woman running the village. Basically. Yeah. And she says like, I would make a bunch of changes. And it's like when Thor... Like talks to Valkyrie and Ragnarok. She's like, I don't give a shit about Asgard. No, she doesn't give a shit about, so and especially because the Valkyrie were were sworn to protect the monarchy specifically yeah, of yeah. Asgard, and she was like, I don't give a fuck. Like, no. Yeah, so it's a little weird, but <laughs> it's a little weird. It's okay. Yeah, I don't. I'll be interested it. to see how it's handled. No, yeah. Well, well, once it's given back to Taika, that'll be a different story. Yeah. Um. Okay. I'm. I'm ready to move on from the four. Stuff. Do we okay. have a next topic that you that you would like to? Um. Well, maybe we should we do more characters, or do we want to get into the time heist of it all? Or maybe we should maybe just do the time skip thing first. Okay. Yeah. That's because that's kind of around. What so about. the first, I'd say, twenty minutes of this film, a lot happens. It's rushed. I love the opening with Tony and Nebula. That's cool. I do. Nebula like being it. like so, like oh my god, she's like. Huh. Like she does all these grunts while they're playing. No, it's good. Like table, or I forget what it's called, like tabletop football or. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. Yeah, I forget what it's called too, but. I think it's like paper football or something, but yeah. um, they're playing that. She has like she has like no idea what's going on. No, it's fine. <laughs> it kind of reminds me of Iron Man One, where he's stuck in the cave. No, it's true, and then it's also kind of reminiscent in Iron Man Three, where he has so much kind of narration. Yeah, that's true. No, um, he, this movie show. does open and close with a Tony narration. It does actually. Yeah. Um. Which he has reported into the suit. No, the opening is cool. I like it. Um, obviously, Hawkeye gets introduced with his family being half fridge. Half fridge. Obviously, the boys. The boys are, are there, but I'm not gonna be like. It's different. It's it's different, obviously, but I think we can include. I can. I think we can group them in. Well, especially it's group because fridging. like, um, especially because the. Wife and the daughter means so much more to him narratively than the yes, boys. Yes, the yes, boys yes. just kind of exist. The boys they wanted to get rid of because they didn't want him to have kids still. Yeah, they wanted definitely. his whole family to be gone. But it's clear that Laura and I think the daughter's name is Lana. Um, yeah, are the ones who like. Well, Lana is clearly meant to be the future Hawkeye. Yeah, I mean he calls. Her he calls Hawkeye. her Hawkeye. And you know his wife is played by. Oh fuck! I hate that I forgot her name. Yeah, freaks and um, geeks. Freaks and geeks. Uh, protagonist girl who who I I frankly really really like as an actress. Yeah. Um. And um. You know it's complicated. It's just that's the intro, and I get it. But moving on from that, yeah. we'll get back to Hawkeye. Well, yeah, we'll circle back. We'll put a pin in him because we'll we'll, we'll circle him. back. Um. We, our opinion used to kind of be that the movie doesn't become stagnant, but it stops being super interesting after the time skip, basically. Yeah. Well, one thing I do like, I do like when they like go after Thanos. Yeah. And they kill him. I mean, yeah. I do, I do love the He's like Thor. making soup. Well, I do love the Thor stuff where he cuts off, cuts off his arm immediately. And then it's almost as soon as... As he says, he destroyed the stone. Stones. There's a couple more lines of dialogue. But yeah, Thor where he's talking to Nebula. Yeah, and then Thor cuts his head off. Yeah. 
Um, Which is connected, I think, very much so to Thor's grief because it's like he yeah. killed Thanos, but what did that didn't bring anyone back? No, exactly. Well, well, that oh, we're back to Thor, but like I do love that. Like there, it is cool that he's like, you know, why would I be scared of that guy? I killed that guy, and it's like it is cool that Thor is the one who killed Thanos. Yeah, that he fucking. Cut his head off. He decapitates decapitates Thanos. It's like, it is cool that in this universe, Thor, like, literally murdered Thanos while he was, like, captured. Yeah. Like, it's interesting. It's, it's fun. It's like, well, you imagine for me, it's like this kind of, like, if I dive in, it's like, everyone knows the history of the snap, and everyone knows that it was Thanos, and it's like, because it seems to be that everyone knows what happened. Yeah. The whole world is like, has to find some explanation for for losing half of everyone. Yeah. And surely everyone knows someone who was snapped. Yeah. And so, like, it's interesting that, like, Thor is clearly, must clearly be such a hero to them. You know? Yeah. The lore of it. The Thanos killer. The guy who beheaded Thanos, you know, after he did the snap. It's like, that's interesting. And then that Thor becomes, like, this depressed alcoholic after that is kind of fascinating to me. No, it is. That's Um, true. It's entertaining. But um, moving on from that, it, it's just weird. But I also like it. I mean, this, it's just a ton happens. It yeah. moves fast. This movie well, moves I love, fast. I love like, the... Yeah, the movie, it moves quick. It moves quick. I love the Tony-Steve argument when Tony oh, shows yeah. up again. No trust required. I lost the kid. I, I lost you the kid. You were so concerned with our... Precious freedom. Precious freedom. <laughs> that oh is like the funniest God. line in the movie. There is a way that this movie kind of retroactively vindicates Tony in Tony's like fascist impulses. Yeah, yeah. in Civil War, but also kind of Gabagultron. Yeah. Because what was Gabagultron ultimately? It's like, for? do you think Ultron would have let Thanos get away with this? Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of ridiculous. He's like, we should make. Well, I will say this. This is one thing I do believe. The Tony who is like starved and dying who shows up and is like connected to the IV and wearing the glasses and thin and kind of gaunt. Yeah. I think that was I think that was Oscar bait. <laughs> I yeah, that think makes sense. They were like if we can get because he dies in this movie. Yeah. I think they were like, give it to Robert Downey Jr. because he is a good actor mm-hmm. and because he this movie is, I do think this movie is trying to kind of be Oscar bait for Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Even though it was never going to happen. It was never. It was gonna. never going to happen because it's still fucking an Avengers movie. Yeah. But like, and Scorsese is fucking right. It's a yeah. roller coaster. It's a Disney ride. But <sighs> there are things I like about it. It's certainly entertaining. It's certainly entertaining. I'm going to be interested where I rank it. I haven't yeah. decided yet. Um, I might move it around. I'm not sure yet. I think I might do my initial ranking and then figure out what Far From Home, where Far From Home is after we do this podcast. Yeah, that makes sense. Because it'll just be Far From Home. Yeah. Afterwards. It's kind of upsetting that Far From Home is the last one of these because I'm, I'm interested in what movies we're going to do after this. I know. Well, we won't be able to you know build up to anything in the same way because there just won't be as many movies. No, that's anything. true. There's not... That's what I meant earlier when I yeah. was like, there's not really anything like the MCU in terms of films. There's yeah. not like a 21... Uh, plus ongoing still happening like no. film franchise no it doesn't there. exist it, it doesn't, doesn't exist. it doesn't exist 
But at the same time, I'm excited because we will be able to review, if not better movies, like movies that are not in the MCU. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, it's like, this was such a fun adventure. It was, it was. Um, okay, so we're talking about Tony a little bit. Yeah, we should just go, we should go all in on Tony for a little bit. It's hard because, like, I don't think he's too interesting in this movie. I don't think he's very interesting in this movie, no. Well, it's like, he's, like, totally off the rails when he shows up back on Earth after yeah. the Nebula stuff. That's maybe when he's his most interesting. That's maybe when he's, no trust, liar. I love that line. It's just kind of funny. Yeah. But then after that, it's like, he has a family, and it's like, he's... You're telling me that, like, after that he was fine? Yeah. You're telling me after that he was, like, peak healthy? Yeah. And he was able to raise a family with Pepper and, like, basically let go of being Iron Man. Yeah. No, yeah, he completely, like, let it go. It seems like he's, like, a full family man. And it it is a little bit, like... It's a little bit like the Professor Hulk stuff or the Bro Thor stuff where it's, like... The Bro Thor stuff makes sense, but the characters who seem to be better off after the snap kind of don't make sense. No, that's really, really true. And that's Thor and Professor Hulk. And we'll get into Professor Hulk yeah. later, but with Tony, it's a little bit like, like, why is he not like this like single divorcee who's like a slightly too violent Iron Man? Yeah. Well, I think really what it was, was they needed a reason why they couldn't just snap five years back. Yeah. Um, they want like, cause Tony was, Tony's ultimatum for working on the project was that we can't change anything about the past five years. Yeah. Um, because of his family, because of Morgan specifically. Yeah. Um, and they, I think they kind of wanted the, that parameter. Yeah. Um, and Tony was really the only one equipped to set it. Um, no, that's true. But it, it, I agree. It is like, come on, come on. Like, Tony and Iron Man 3 is like, well, that's what it is, is these movies really, com- the previous movies really commit to the fact that Tony's like racked with PTSD. Yeah. Like he is like anxious. Um, he is just, he's traumatized by like what he's seen in space, what he's done. Um, and this movie is just kind of like five years later, he's kind of all past it, even though Thanos is like the nadir of his failure. Yeah. It's, like, it's like the biggest failure. Oh, um, and he lost fucking the kid. He lost the kid. He lost the kid. I lost the kid. I lost the kid. Yeah, oh my god. I wish we could lose the kid. Sometimes. 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 Me also a little bit about Morgan. Um, Ooh. I don't... Look, she's like a four-year-old, so I don't like hate her, but I'm also like, you are not a real child. No. Morgan is maybe the fakest child in she's the real fake. she's, she's a, so fucking fake she's fake she's fake um, no yeah. absolutely and the, like I love you 3000 and the fact that people bought it oh my god it makes me want to bash my head into no, the shower it's so again. saccharine it makes me want to bomb like I hate well, it well and it's clearly just there to set up Tony as this like lionized like sacrifice again it's like it, it is really hard to end you because it's like Tony is a fucking playboy like and we're just gonna forget about this like, yeah it's fucking also Tony. a billionaire yeah like, oh god and an arm arms dealer and the like, movie acts like he's been like a saint his whole life yeah basically yeah and that he's like con- that he's been like reformed basically beyond for forever like beyond but, like, why like, the snap would war. do that to him it doesn't make sense no it doesn't make sense it seems like he should be worse off if anything no certainly certainly so it's weird that he's like better off yeah which is i think that's i mean besides the fact that tony snaps at the end and dies again but we've talked about how like 
lionized he is. Yeah. And that's part of it is like the self-sacrifice martyrdom well, of him. Well, uh, the deleted scene that they have of everyone, all uh, of the Avengers kneeling. kneeling by his body gets, like, I remember, I've seen it a couple times, but I haven't seen it in like a year. Um, but whenever I think about it, it's just, it's just, it's so funny. I'm like, you will never be Return of the King. You will no. never be Return of the King. No, no, no. <laughs> That was a little bit of what I thought while watching this movie, but it isn't totally fair to compare them. But I am like, you are not like you are not Sam, and you are not Frodo, and you are not Mary, and you are not Pippin. No, we we will not bow to you. No, we will not bow to you. Um, I'm, it's good that that movie that that scene was cut. I think I would have kind of lost it. Just, no, it's, it's just so over, it's too over the top. It's so over the top. It's, it's over so the top. over the top. It really kind of smacks you in the face with like this man. This man was like made of something else, and it's like this man was also an arms dealer at one point in time. Yeah, this man made his for he contributed to his family fortune, which was previously from de- like defense contracts with the United States, um, with more defense contracts with the United States. Yeah. Um, but eh, it's hard. Well, and another part of that that I think is funny just visually is I would laugh every time this happened whenever anyone puts on the gauntlet. And you see, like, all of the stones, like, coursing through their veins. And they're like, <laughs> You just can't, It really, it really gets to me. Because yeah. they're like, how can we show how powerful this is? How, how immensely strong this is? It is, it, because it is, like, taking two... It will be, like, when we hit weed again. I know, I know. No, Six days, five days, everybody. Five days, five days. I'm, I'm ex- hopefully I'm recuperated by then from the multitude of things that have happened. No, I hope um, you, I think five days will be enough. Five days will hopefully be enough. But, but I'm, I'm real fucking excited. I'm, I'm very excited. We have like one giant nug for that first day and we'll probably have to buy more, but like that's it. That'll, that will keep us. No, well, I remember we joked one time about like, um, about the getting the gauntlet when I can't remember if it was about like getting like bongy back or something but yeah. there was some sort of thing where we joked about having like all of our weed materials and being yeah. like we're the power no, we could use Star Wars after this actually I could be, be starting fun. with Phantom, <laughs> Phantom. oof <laughs> that'd be interesting that'd be interesting we might maybe we shouldn't do that right away maybe we should wait for that I, I, I would do a couple of miscellaneous I would maybe wait for Alex that's my thing. Oh, that would be fun. Mm-hmm. That would be a lot of fun. Okay. Um, Professor Hulk. Especially for the prequels. Yeah, definitely for the prequels. Um, Professor Hulk, I used to loathe. I don't loathe him, but it, he's peak for me where it's like, you can't have your cake and eat it too all of the fucking time. Yeah. All of the fucking time. Yeah. The thing about like Bruce and Hulk is that they are separate things. For this, like, very complicated reason. Like, yeah. I'm just, like, the amalgamation of the two is, like, not interesting to me. It's not interesting. I don't hate I it. I don't hate it as much. Be- but it's, like, he's ultimately just Bruce. That's my thing. He is mostly just he's Bruce. He's just Bruce he's a, a little chill too- Bruce. He's, like, a little bit bigger, a little bit more muscular. He doesn't have any anger problems, which is yeah. frustrating. Um... I, I, I'm just, I'm not a fan, but it's, it's not. I don't hate it. It doesn't bring anything interesting to the character. I think that, yeah. But there wasn't too much interesting to begin with. I still think Hulk's, Hulk and Bruce's best movie is Ragnarok. Yeah, Um, certainly. 
but I don't hate it. It's just not that interesting. Yeah. Well, and it's um, like if some sort of melding of the two could have been found, did did you not think it would come like? Well, again, it's the thing it of like the five year time skip just is like, oh, and this is what Bruce is now, and it's like yeah. the journey to him getting there is more interesting than him just being that. No, exactly. Um, and it's like that's an interesting like conversion. Like most of the characters in this movie, because of how much how plotty it is and how much it needs to move and how much action there needs to be there isn't really a lot of character growth that happens within the movie yeah and most of the character growth that happens happens during the five-year time skip mm-hmm. and it's dumb yeah that's it's, always the that's always the difficulty with time skips is yeah. you miss out on what makes what has changed the characters in the way that they Well, it's like, are. how did Tony get to this point? How did Bruce get to this point? And it's like, that's more interesting to me than, than just like all of a sudden being, being there. Being there, yeah. Um, which, is a, which is maybe my biggest criticism of Endgame because it also seems like Steve is relatively unchanged. No, no, that's certainly true. Steve, Steve is not to me gets at all. like the least of anybody because he doesn't even change over the five years. He no. Just, Vaguely sad, but he's so stoic he can't be that. Sad. I know he's kind of shortchanged a little bit in terms yeah. of just like he really has nothing. Well, it's frustrating because it's like people who love the MC or like you're saying Steve's shortchanged. He got the fucking hammer at the end. And yeah, it's, like, it's, it's m- that's just a surface level fantasy just, moment. Yeah. and I'm like it is. You know the thing is like the eight year old boy in me is like yeah that's fucking cool. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna lie. And also like there is a gorgeous shot where it's. Steve versus like all of Thanos' fucking army. Like yeah. that is a beautiful wide shot. But like other than that, Steve doesn't get much in this Steve movie. Steve doesn't get much. And what's really frustrating for me is that it's like Steve lost Bucky, who he went to he caused a civil war for, who he caused like maybe in his eyes the greatest failure of his life in terms yeah. of like how it fragmented the Avengers and maybe cost them Thanos. A uh, like and it's also like he lost Sam, who yeah. was his biggest like modern support system other than Natasha. Yeah. Um, that's like those are both re- those are both like the kind of veteran characters that he looks to too. Yeah. Like, and the movie is just not that interested in the fact that like Steve should also really be grieving those losses because those are kind of the people. Those are two of the three people who really anchor him in his world. No, that's true. Like, and true. who he has done drastic things Well, it doesn't for. feel like the trauma that Steve experiences is specific to the people he lost. He just talks about how the snap was bad overall. Yeah. But it's not, like, about Bucky or yeah. about Sam. It's about how they lost everybody. Yeah. And it, that feels hollow. And the moment where Sam, like, crackles in and then he's like, yeah. I'm on your left. And you see, like, Steve, like, kind of the relief and the surprise in his eyes. That, like, really, yeah, that, that kind of got to me. But well, I was like, thinking I how much more that, that would work if he openly mourned Sam. One thing that's hard for me is that we see Steve shaving mm-hmm. at one point. But that's the only kind of moment of, like, normal humanity we see him yeah we don't really see him like what is his like lived life outside of like being this like group counselor yeah like it's weird like i don't really understand what steve's life looks like how is steve and also it's like how is steve like adequate in terms of like counseling yeah like how could uh, is steve really in a place to like lead this sort of like circle and like i think the thing that like doesn't make sense is it goes kind of back to like the Bucky and the yeah. Sam. I don't want to. I don't want to cut Sam out of this conversation. But it is. But Bucky more than Sam. Bucky more say. than Sam because it's like that's what. Si- Bucky has been in every. 
Captain America movie. And it's like Bucky is the one person he has from the past. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And he he just lost him. And he was the one, and he visually saw that no, loss. You, I happen. just, I do wish that for Cap it was more about the specific losses he suffered with yeah. Bucky specifically mm-hmm. and Sam, but Bucky. Well, it's like, for he lost Bucky at first and couldn't do anything about it in World War II. Yeah. He got him back despite everything he did his hardest to get him back only for him to slip through his fingers again yeah like that's gotta be that's gotta be a blow yeah especially because bucky's last word was steve i know then he faded into oblivion into oblivion it's sad well it's like yeah it it is kind of a thing of like we don't we never dive too deep into any of these characters and i think thor probably gets the most yeah he's the most substantive i think I think I, I do like that Thor has that moment where he's like the Aether. First of all, it's like a gel, not a stone. Yeah. You correct yourself. That was funny. That was funny. But also, he's like, Jane dumped me, which I related to. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, it's like Thor has these very. Thor's problems are specific and Steve's are less so. No, that's very, very true. And Thor's are like directly connected to the loss of his brother, and that he didn't kill, title, that he didn't go for the head, like it's a personal the There's all there are these like explicit failures that of that Thor can point to that he blames himself for, and these specific losses well, that one thing, really hurt. Another scene besides the maybe my second favorite scene in this movie, all of my favorite scenes involve Thor, but like my maybe one of my second favorite moments in this movie besides the Frigg stuff is when Thor's like, "I'm the strongest Avenger. I'm gonna be the one to do the snap." Yeah. And they're like, no, you're not fit. And that was the one moment where the Avengers kind of collectively are like, Thor is fucked up and he cannot be the one to make the sacrifice right now because he's too fucked up. And it did make sense because Professor Hulk, it's like Professor Hulk kind of figured his shit out. Yeah. And he was ready to, to kind of make a, make a major sacrifice. Yeah. Well, and the, the um, point about gamma radiation is interesting. It's yeah. almost something that... Well, that's a little bit of, of, like, convenience. But no, like, it yeah. is a bit of convenience. Well, it reminds me of the Lost episode, the Lost yeah. MCU film. Because no, it's like, true. I wonder if gamma radiation was explicitly mentioned in that well, movie. Well, that's just, that's a Hulk thing. Yeah. That's no, yeah, Hulk. yeah, but I was like, it, was that introduced in that movie? I think it was. Yeah. No, that's um, true. I think it was. And that's kind of the first time that it's like, ex- that the Hulk origins and what caused him are explicitly referenced in the MCU no, after true. that first, after the, the, the mishap. <laughs> Wait, can I pee again? Oh my God. Yeah. We, but I'm not going to talk while you pee. No, talk a little bit. No, I'm not. I'm too ill. Okay. Wait, sing a song then. No, I'm not gonna sing a song. I'm gonna lay down. Okay. Okay, and I'm back. The good news is silence is really easy to edit out. No, it's true. All you have to do is cut it. Yeah. Very nice. (laughs) Okay. That was a snap. Like the. Four snaps that happen overall. Is that including Infinity War? Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, four. It's four. It seems kind of absurd because you think you think of one as being really important, then you think of Iron Man, but there's actually four. Yeah, I was surprised. I remember being surprised that when that the Hulk snap um, is the one that brings everyone back. I was expecting it to like fail a little bit, just because like I for I forgot that that was like the timeline basically of it. Yeah. Um, 
Well, for, I thought that the Tony one was somehow the one that did it, but, like, obviously it doesn't make sense because he dies, and it happens, like, at the end of, like, his massive battle, basically. Yeah. And it kills him. No, exactly. <laughs> What's next on the list? Um, well, we could also talk a little bit about the Steve ending now, if you want. Okay, we can talk about Steve. So here's Because this does connect to Bucky and Sam. Here's what I said. I have a complicated relationship. Well, not a complicated relationship. I have hated the first. We've watched this movie four times. The first three times, I hated the Steve ending because I thought it was bullshit that he returned to the past. A lot of his arc post the first Avenger. Well, it's hard because the first Avenger is the worst of his three movies. It's the worst, <laughs> maybe of all of his appearances in the MCU outside of Captain Ultron. I think yeah, I think that's probably true. Not that Infinity War Endgame does him any particular favors. No. But he's at least still kind of the Steve you remember from Civil War or First Event or uh, Winter, Winter Soldier. Winter Soldier. It, it is kind of sad. Steve is kind of a disappointment in the in kind of the late MCU era as opposed to kind of the middle, the middle. MCU era where he is kind of the number he one really star. Shines he there. shines. Um, you know what I will say? It's kind of interesting because it is feel it does feel like. The first third of the MCU, Tony is easily number one. Mm. The middle third kind of feels like it's Steve, and the la and the very last third, Thor. No, you're right. That's totally true. Um, which is weird, and it, but it kind of is good. It's kind it of makes good sense. Well, it it tracks where kind of the talent was being yeah. directed in terms of storytelling. No, that's um, right, that's at true. least for like the core Avengers cast. No, yeah. But it's, it's interesting that it's like that. Mm-hmm. Because I don't even know if that was entirely I don't think it was intentional, no. But it is kind of how it worked out. Yeah. And, and that's not such a bad thing. Yeah. But it, it is disappointing because it's like Steve could have gotten more. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's sad because it's like Steve and... Well, it's just a thing with Steve and Peggy never had that much depth. What I will no, say... No, they never even went on a date. No, they didn't. So the idea that he's, like, pining for her this whole time is a little absurd. I'm he's like, an adult dude, man. you gotta move. It's, it's one of the, like, things for me where I'm like, you... It's It should really be one of the symbols about him being way too hung up on these, like, this past that he can, like, never return to. And he's too but nostalgic. For, is, well, like, there's a much deeper lesson that it's, like, you're nostalgic for this thing that it makes sense for you to be nostalgic for, but ultimately you have to live in the present. Yeah. Um, again, it's this thing of like time travel doesn't exist, and that's one of the hardest things every single human being has to deal with and understand. Yeah. And the same with like the permanence of death. Yeah. But um, what I will say, here's what I'll say. It the the Steve ending to me doesn't work if you think about the MCU as a whole at yeah. all. Bucky is left hanging. Yeah. Because it's like post Civil War, he's. They have they they come up with reasons to keep him around, but they invest so little in him. So little, just enough to keep him like there. No, it's sad. It's like I really wish he hadn't gotten snapped. I wish he was part of the Endgame crew. No, and like when we finished Infinity War, I was like, I remember being like, why is Rhodey here? Like, I thought the entire kind of Avengers B team, which he was a part of, because he is set up with Scarlet Witch and the others as like the next generation at the end of Gavin Ultron, which then yeah. just totally gets axed. Yeah. Um, I was like, why is he still here? I thought this was kind of just about like the original, like what is it, like six? Um, yeah. And then you were like, oh well, I think they wanted him around for because it was Tony's last movie. Yeah. And that's true, but it's also like he spends no time with Tony. He spends very. Yeah. It's mostly he just has quips. Yeah. And it's um, like, I, I, Rhodey, I will say, is, like, he's been there since the first Iron Man movie. Um, 
yeah. albeit as Terrence Howard in that one, but he's been there from the beginning, so I don't have a problem with him being in this movie. Um, but it is like Bucky probably should not have been snapped in the same way that would have been. I would have really enjoyed it if Bucky hadn't been snapped. I would have yeah. enjoyed it. it. The thing is, is that there's they try and they try and give us like Tony Steve moments. Here's what I'll say: this movie. It's better than Infinity War, which I didn't expect. I enjoyed it more than Infinity War. It's still not as good as the original Avengers. Yeah. It's just nowhere near the the kind of emotional kind of conflict that exists between Tony and Steve in the first no, Avengers No, that's movie. really true. The first Avengers movie is much better. I like that Sam is set up to be Captain America. Yes. Um, that um, Leading into this, um, the consensus was that it would be Bucky who would take on the mantle. Yeah. Um, it was... Great, That's, yeah. great decision to not do that, frankly. Yeah, I and like it, that it's Sam. Yeah, it doesn't like really that. make sense for Bucky's character anyway. Yeah. Just given that he was essentially Captain Well, Captain and Soviet. frankly, with the show coming, it makes sense that Bucky is still involved, but he's not Captain America. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't I think like he would that. want to be Captain America. I like that he's there. Yeah. He, like, it's like a, him and Steve, I mean, him and Sam should be a team, mm-hmm. should be a team up, but Sam is the one who should be Captain America. Yeah. But, I, but also, Bucky should kind of be working with him. Yeah. Like, that makes sense to me. So the show kind of makes sense in that camp. No, it's good. <laughs> um, Steve's line where he's like, no, I don't think I will, is, like, so funny. It is funny. It, it's just, I want to I wanna use that later in my life. No, um, I will too. It's pretty, it is very yeah. funny, but it's also like, dude, what? And it. Like, what are you talking about? Like, what are you talking about? This is Sam. This is your friend. Yeah. Who you've, like... Well, my I think the funny thing would the funny reading of it is that he doesn't want to talk about it because he knows Sam wouldn't approve because it's like this old nostalgic obsession. Yeah. And it's like, dude, you shouldn't have done that. But I don't. That's not, the movie is only doing it so that it's a surprise, basically, that yeah. he goes back for Peggy. No, I mean, I like again, it's like a thing of like I, it's stupid. Him and Peggy is like a fake relationship. Yeah. I don't buy into it at all. As a note for the movie to end on, I think it works. Yeah. However, it's still stupid. <laughs> and I, I just, I don't know. Maybe it was because I was drunk, but just this viewing, I was like, the music and the dancing is like a nice note to end on. Just yeah. aesthetically, maybe. Um, it's a very soft ending for like the spectacle that this film has. Maybe that's what it is. Like, and it does, it does feel a little Return of the Kingy. Yeah. In that in that specific no, way. No, it has a soft it ending to a great spectacle of battle. Yeah. Because this movie is trying to be a little bit Return of the King. Yeah. Because it is the end to a great saga. Mm-hmm. Um, with many multiple plot lines. But um again, I don't want to give that ending too much credit because there's the, uh, there's a lot of reasons why it's dumb mm-hmm. and kind of gross. But um <laughs> at the same time, aesthetically, I was like it's a little it's a little bit like up. Yeah. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. What else do we got? Uh, we should probably just go through the rest of the adventures. So Clint slash Ronan. Ronan. Clint slash Ronan. Okay. Oh my um, god. Ronan, serial killer. I understand kind of what they were going yeah. for, which is this he's, like he like does what he's done. He takes he's, he's kind of a Punisher type. He's a punishy. Yeah, he's, he's a punishy. And I, I like, but it's I, like, I'm like, you are nowhere near the man that Punishy is. I get that they were kind of going for this like Japanese like 
battle scene for him, but it is ridiculous. It is so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. I can't take it seriously. No, no. It's it's so absurd. Yeah. Um, and the only places he's mentioned killing people are Mexico um, yeah. and Japan. Yeah. And it's like, are you going abroad just to murder people? No, it doesn't make sense. And it's like, it's a cartel and what seems to be like a, a gang. Yeah. Or something. yeah. Um, and so it's like, yeah, he's taking out like criminals, I suppose. But it's like, dude, like you're killing them. Like it would be, di- it would you be. You don't really have a moral it's a, high ground. It's here. a different narrative if he's killing like fucking white nationalist meth dealers. No, like, yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like, take care of shit at home, bro. Like, what are you doing? No, seriously. Like, um, no, that's rough. And like, also, like, when were he so good with a sword? Like, wasn't he a bow guy? <laughs> he is a bow guy, but they were like, yeah, he's like real. He's so good with a katana. It's now. it's coolly enough choreographed, and like yeah. Tokyo is kind of a cool setting, but like, it's superficial. Yeah, it's very superficial, and it's 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 ignorant. Yeah, and um, everyone acts like it's like. I mean, they act. They un- They understand that it has a weight to it, and that like forgiveness is hard. Like I don't want to say they just like hand it to him, but they hand it to him. They do hand it to him. Cause Natasha, Natasha's just very like, look, I've done shady shit too. Well, it's like, and I was like, yeah, but you didn't use the snap as an excuse to go and murder. Well, people. it is a thing of like, I would prefer it if he was just like drunk in a bar. Yeah. And like was just really good, at- and he was like you know, beating some guy at darts because yeah. he's so good at that. Like, I prefer that to this, like, like he's, like, like, a serial Like, he was, like, killer. doing some sort of, like, pool sharking thing or something. Yeah, like, or not even if he was, like, a shark. It's just that people, or, it's like, someone was trying to shark him and he won because he's fucking Hawkeye. Yeah. Like, something like that. Like, that would be nice. Yeah. As opposed to this, like, he goes abroad and he kills a bunch of, you know, people. It's... <laughs> It's ridiculous. It's and ridiculous. It's not my favorite. Well, and it makes the Vormir stuff even more ridiculous. It does. Where it's like, Natasha, what did you do with your life post snap? You committed yourself to. You were really the only it one who seems was leading like she the event. It's almost. I will say this. She's almost the queen of the world. She is. <laughs> she is organizing the basically the most powerful beings that exist. Yeah. She's kind of the like. She's kind of the like boss of yeah she's like a soft boss no well she's kind she kind of has this like fury role yeah where she is like responsible for the protection of but she's basically responsible for the earth no exactly and like she's even in communication with carol who's like responsible for other places in the galaxy um and it's like you took this great tragedy where you lost a lot of people who meant a lot to you yeah and you dove into the work that needed to be done to make the world a safer place for the people who were left. Yeah. Clint did not do that. And so the fact that she just kind of hands him his life like in that way, that the narrative does it, is very, very frustrating. And it, because it's ultimately connected back to the fact that she could not physically have children. Yeah. And he could. No, that's completely true. Like it like the whole the Avengers are her family thing all goes back to the fact that in Gabagooltron they were like, Oh yeah, she's a monster because she was like sterilized by like the spy agency that created her. Yeah. Like those two are just like fundamentally connected. No, they are, and it's 
fucked up. It's like if a woman does not have a family, she is not worth like. Then it's fine if she dies. Yeah, then it's fine if she dies. And like I will say, there are women in the series who do have families and who are also fridged. Yeah. Um, you could probably go through a line, but or through a list, but like it's it's. The fact that they pull the Vormir thing twice is what is so absurd. Well, one thing we've talked a lot about is it's like there has to be like there's clearly a way to write it that it's like there's a clever way like Thanos couldn't subvert the like Vormir trap of like sacrificing someone you love. Yeah. And then the Avengers should be able to. They should be able to. They should be able to figure out a way to get the Soul Stone without sacrificing someone. Well, there's a version of it where because Clint and Natasha are fighting, they somehow prove themselves to the Soul Stone. Or something. There's some version of it where returning the Soul Stone gets her back because they're relinquishing the power. And I will say, like, part of me thinks she's coming back in Black Widow, but I'm not sure. Yeah. And I don't want to put too no, much No, I think that. you're right that there could potentially be an in-credit scene, but I, I do think it's ultimately more likely that they're just setting up Florence Pugh as, like, the new Black Widow. You're probably right. I And they're just getting another actress to kind of carry on that mantle. You are... I think you're more than likely right. Especially just, since we lose RDJ and Chris Evans. I don't... Yeah. I think that's more in line with ScarJo leaving after Black Widow than it is with her returning, basically. You're probably right. Yeah. I just haven't given up hope yet. I, I want to believe that that could happen. I want to believe that Steve returning the stone brings her back because it feels so obvious. A soul so for a soul. Obvious. A soul for a stone. A soul for a soul. Like, a and soul they, and they are soul. explicitly returning the soul sto- the stones to all of the places they took them from the timeline. And well, so it's like, why wouldn't that happen with the soul well, stone? Well, it is a little sad that we never see Steve. It's also like a thing of like Steve returning the soul stone is also like, I would love an end credit scene where Steve returns the Soul Stone and he has to have a conversation with fucking Red Skull. I know, you're right, you're right. That's fucking fascinating. No, the fact that that scene is just, like, not in the movie is, like, crazy. It's kind of criminal, yeah. It is. Well, and it's also, like, even if Natasha is not resurrected, like, that's the place where she died and their relationship is very deep. Um, yeah. It's Steven. certainly deeper to me than her relationship with Hulk. Yeah. So it's, like... That's really a place where he would have mourned her. Yeah. Like, there's a lot there for Steve to do that this movie is just like, okay, we'll, we'll just... One thing I will say, I love that um, Thor gets to use the word uh, shit <laughs> when he's like, he's like, enough of this shit about Natasha being gone. This is fucking space magic. <laughs> no, that's yeah. true. He's like, I you do not know line. what you're fucking talking there's, about. There are a few scenes in this movie that Thor are in that I did not enjoy because Thor was in them. No, that's re- that's really true. I feel, and it's like I used to be really low on Bro Thor, and now I'm like. Now I've really come. He's around. my favorite part of this movie. Yeah. He's my favorite part of this movie. Ant Man. He's in this movie a lot. He's, he's not the open, too. He's cu- he's one of the opening things in this movie. I I do like the scene where he reunites with Cassie, it's especially after watching Ant Man and the Wasp. Yes. Other than that, he's not too memorable. He's not too memorable. He's like a he's a solid comic guy to have there. Yeah. Um, he's like good comic relief, but he doesn't. It's sad because bring all nobody in this table. movie has too much depth, and that and that's why it's hard. I think that's kind of what it shows. Like Ant Man in this movie, but he doesn't really have an arc, and like that for me is Endgame. Yeah, is like <sighs> don't compare this movie. 
favorably to Days of Future Past or The Last Jedi. Yeah. Because those movies are much, much more ambitious in they're... terms of their, what they're trying to say about their characters and what they're trying to comment about the human experience and society and the world. Yeah. And, like, Ant-Man's role in this movie, it's like, it's nice, he's funny, he reunites with Cassie, but it's ultimately, it's not more than that. It's not more than that. He does have this nice moment with Hope when, uh, after Hope and everyone else is resurrected, yeah. where they uh, team up to kind of re- try to reopen the quantum realm. And it's supposed to be like, he was, he didn't bring Hope on board in Civil <laughs> War, but he's here now. And that's nice as like another follow-up to Ant-Man and the Wasp. No, it's good. But, but it's, it's just like a, a couple seconds. There are a lot of cute little moments in this movie that mm-hmm. helped people fall in love with it but it, it it doesn't add up to much yeah no that's that's very true and you're right that like this movie cannot really be um favorably compared to a few other like well, things like i agree with scorsese to a degree because i think most of the mcu is this kind of superficial thing yeah but you know movies that aren't in the mcu that had directors that really cared about what they were doing and what they were saying yeah they achieved a lot more that's yeah. so like days of future past the road cut and the last jedi those are those are fucking great movies those those are really really that use films. the genre to comment in a in a significant way on themes that are serious and have a lot of depth to them yeah no, that's really true. And we, we might end up doing a series on X-Men at some point um, because yeah. we like the MCU. There are characters in the MCU that we really like. Like, these movies are, like, not bad, but, like... X-Men might be, X-Men might be a good next step, actually. Uh, Maybe because it's another, it's another kind... It's one that kind of spans a lot There's of There's a lot of movies, There's a lot yeah. of movies um, leading up to, if we ever get it, um, New Mutants. Um, well, yeah, we could eventually do New Mutants, but it's like, there are great movies in that. Like, DFB, Logan. Logan. X2 is pretty good. X2 is pretty good. No, there's a, there is a lot to talk about in terms of the X-Men franchise. We are all... We get plenty of um, the act. Oh, God, I feel so stupid. The actors who played Magneto and Charles Xavier. Well, which ones? The older ones. The older ones? Oh, um, Ian McKellen and Patrick Stewart. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I know those actors when I'm not drunk. Yeah. Absolutely, but I love them very. Dearly. No, and though they were, they were. <laughs> Sasha, I saw them live at the Berkeley Rep once. Oh wow! I've seen them in person. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, it but is. yeah, they really knocked it out of the park with casting for um, Charles and Eric specifically, kind of both, both times, eras. Yes, which is crazy. Um, it's insane. It is insane, and also you can tell that. Well, this is just my brief aside about James McAvoy in those movies because you can tell he really fucking cares about those performances because I watched it chapter two recently and it was probably the worst McAvoy performance I've ever seen. It was it was horrendous. His child actor outperformed him. Wow. In a scene that they had together. I haven't seen the end movies because I have an aversion to horror films. No, I understand. I'm he. It is just it is an abysmal McAvoy performance. I don't know what he was doing. I'm I I think he was just there to collect his check. But um, yeah, we probably. we both care about the X Men movies very deeply. Yeah. Um, most and of them. Most of them. And um. Similar to the Raimi movies, those were kind of our first foundational superhero. Well, yeah, it's like we could do Spider Man as well. We could honestly, we could alternate X Men and Spider Man movies. That might be a good idea. Yeah, just to break um, it up. 
And those are movies that are varyingly substantive, but they are, they're, they're substantive. Well, they can't rely on the fact that they're, like, um, an MCU property to save them at the box no. office. No, the Raimi movies have a lot of heart that's connected to the, com- to the comics, and, and they're very earnest. Yeah. Like Spider-Man 2, and then the X-Men movies, you know, all of them to a degree have a significant commentary. Some of them really flop. Some of them Like, flop. Last Stand is not great. It's, However, it's entertaining. It's still entertaining. However, yeah, it's like it's sure. like eventually we got DOFP, which is kind of the best of both worlds. Which built upon everything. Um, yeah. And there are also like adaption decisions that those movies make that are fucked in the same way that there are adaption decisions that the MCU well, Storm makes that gets are fucked. Over. Storm, to quote Andrew, and he was specifically talking about Storm in this, it's, it's just, just disrespectful. It's just disrespectful. It's just disrespectful. It's disrespectful. Um, and there's not a lot of hope that I have for the mutants in the MCU, just because the mutants, part of why I love and adore... Well, what what so will the 2020s bring? They've just begun. What 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 with the culture? I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Um, but I do, kind of my deepest wish is that Storm gets her due in the yeah. MCU. Um, I will say just a, another brief thing about the mutants in the MCU um, rewatching Endgame, I think what they might do, and I was talking to Michael about this when I was watching the movie, um, one of the, the way that they track Thanos, which is like kind of whatever, because they, at first they're like, Nebula, Nebula has to do it, but then they're like, actually we can just do the energy thing from the snap, um, from like when he wields the gauntlet, um, there's like two major, there's three major snaps that happen on Earth with the gauntlet, that's in, and the first one explicitly is the one that takes out half of life in the galaxy and there it has this like ripple effect on earth like it's like huge and quiet even mentions that there's this like underground earthquake as a result of it and all these other things yeah and that's before the hulk one and before the tony one i kind of think what they'll do is have the mutants be a result of the infinity stones in that way that would be smart it would be smart i think it'd be clean it's the cleanest way to do it because you don't have to kind of retroactively be like oh yeah mutants are just now showing up um in the comics it's a result of like the nuclear age yeah Um, and i'm sure there's like a variety of comics reasons why the mutants no i'm sure there are um in the movies it's mostly just chalked up to evolution yeah. Although there are some that are like created by accident and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I think the Infinity Stone thing would be the cleanest way to do it. It, it also retroactively kind of makes Scarlet Witch and Pietro mutants, which they couldn't do at the time. In the Munich Circuit, <laughs> they call me the Incredible <laughs> Nightcrawler. What was his real name? Oh, uh, Kurt. Kurt Wagner. Kurt Wagner. Yeah. I love Kurt. I love Kurt. I hope he also gets this too. I would no, love, I love I really, there are, coming everybody. There are a lot of characters in those X-Men movies that I just like, I have a lot of like fun with and I have like affections for. Um, I, I think Raimi, Raimi Spider-Man yeah. and the Tasms. And the Tasms. And the X-Men movies are probably in the future. Yeah. I think that's actually good because that's like, Ten more movies at least. No, it is. Um, and we'll have a we will have a lot to discuss. Um, with a lot of those movies, the X Men movies certainly. And the Spider Mans will also have we'll have fun with those. We'll have we'll have fun with the Spider Man movies. Um, I think what will be interesting is one of our favorite podcast episodes that we did was for Black Panther because it's such a, like a politically rich film to talk about. Yeah. Um, not just politically, but that is like a major component to it. Yeah. Um. The first X Men movie opens on Auschwitz, so, and first class as well. But and first class, but the first movie in a, in kind of a more genuine way. It's certainly in a more genuine way. Um, those movies and like the the 
those movies are a lot about this, like the struggle for mutant rights, yeah. like mutant acceptance in these ways that are supposed to parallel Jewish Americans clearly because of like the Auschwitz thing and but Eric, it's an but amalgamation also, like, of, it's an amalgamation of several of, different like, kinds of civil oppression. rights issues. Uh, yeah, like, LGBT, LGBT ex- again. The, the singer of it all. Yeah. We will we will talk significant. We will fear not. We will talk about the singer of it all oh, at yeah. length because it's it's impossible to not talk about. Um, I feel like it is. I, I normally I would say let's refocus on the movie, but I do feel like because we're doing Endgame, it is kind of like we are kind of. It's we have this one is more our movie, game. and after that we're moving on from the MCU, and it's like scary and hard. But yeah. you know there there are movies in our future that are. Interesting. No, there are things that we're gonna that we'll certainly circle back to um, and talk about with Endgame, but we can stay on this a little bit longer. Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, there will be a lot to discuss about um, the singer of it all. DOFP and Apocalypse are now both on Disney Plus. I still haven't seen Apocalypse ooh, or Dark Phoenix. Ooh, those are the oof. Um, I actually think Dark Phoenix or yeah, Dark Phoenix is better than Apocalypse. I don't know what the consensus is for most people. Yeah. Um, Apocalypse is just it's it's a complete disaster, frankly. Um, it's it's hard that DOFP is followed up with Apocalypse, frankly. It is sad. It it is sad. Um, but before we get too much into X Men, because we talked about we should finish up on Endgame. We should finish up on Endgame. What else right. we got? Do we talk about Nebula? No. Well, Nebula is my Nebula is the thing. I was like, I think we should talk about Nebula next. Yeah. Ugh, Nebula, I love her. I love her at the beginning of the of this movie, and then she's pretty much used for plot. She's basically just used for plot. No, and it's it's frustrating because Nebula, in terms of like the grand scheme of the MCU, is a character who, because she's used for so much plot, has like a, a like an immense amount of room for depth that they don't really care about. Yeah. Um, and part of that is the fact that she's a woman. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's really frustrating about this movie is that it's like. When Nebula comes back, she's wearing like a different outfit Nobody because it's, it, it's the swap like, Why does Rhodey not under and like also one of her arms gets melted and Rhodey sees that and he doesn't notice that her that arm like her is other fine arm is when she fine. comes back? No, no one, no one gives a shit about Nebula in these films. Not um, not the Avengers. And Rocket doesn't care. Rocket doesn't give a shit. Um, the Guardians have a more complicated relationship with Nebula, so I'll give them a little more leeway. But it maybe is if like Mantis was around. Maybe yeah, maybe if Mantis was around. Someone she's anxious. She's anxious. She's anxious. She mourns. Well, yeah, it it well that's my thing. It's like it doesn't take an empath to realize something is up with Nebula in this movie, basically. No, nobody does. Like and nobody nobody fucking does. It's it like feels do dumb. you just not give a shit about this girl? Like, well it's frustrating this movie mostly uses her uses her to bring Thanos back, basically. Yeah. No, that that's really what it is. Like, and also see, to bring like, Gamora back, but definitely to bring predominantly Gamora back, Thanos. But mostly just to bring Thanos back. Well we should should we talk we should talk about Thanos. We should talk about Thanos. We should finish talking about Nebula. No, that's true. We shouldn't shortchange Nebula for Thanos as this movie wants us to do. No, that's true. <laughs> that's true. But I also think Nebula doesn't have too much of an arc in this she, movie. No, she doesn't have an arc. Well, one thing that is frustrating is they do try to give her one because they try to have the past Nebula. There is this interesting thing where it's like the past yeah. Nebula is this representation of Nebula who still so desperately wants to be validated by her father's love even though he has never shown really any sort of affection for her and has only been abusive towards her. Yeah. Um, and the current Nebula is the Nebula who has reforged the relationship with her sister and has changed meaningfully 
because of that. Yeah. Um, no, definitely. And that is like one of the things about the two nebulas existing that is kind of interesting to me. Yeah. But what's so frustrating is that this movie is like the way that we will resolve the conflict between Thanos and his daughters is by having Nebula kill Nebula. Um, yeah. It basically displaces the blame of from the abusive parent onto like the girl who was like corrupt like who I would I don't want to say corrupted but was like really like hurt and distraught and like reacted like yes wrong but like to that abuse. Yeah. Um and it's like it's part of the like bullshit time heist complication where it's like now they have two nebulas and they can't have two nebulas so they need to only have one nebula. And the reason why they don't have two Thanoses and two Gamoras is because they killed like the modern counterparts of those. Yeah. Um, so they have to find out some way to get rid of like the other nebula. Um, but the way for like the modern nebula to like show like once and for all that she is like pro Gamora is to like kill this older version of herself. Which in some way I does make some sort of sense like emotionally. Yeah. Like you have to let go of all of that like frustration and grief and anger and like desire for revenge in order to, like, have a more loving relationship with a sibling that needs to be, like, very complicated. But it takes Thanos completely out of the equation. Yeah. Because ultimately, Than- like, Thanos is about... Thanos's like, role as a villain is about, like, the three men and, like, all the other Avengers, but mostly Tony, Steve, and Thor. Yeah. Um, and, like, another frustrating thing, and this movie doesn't do this too much, but it is this kind of peak thing where it's, like, we're going to show how horrible this male villain is by how horribly he treats the women in his life, in his life, um, yeah. and just women around That's him. That's kind of a common trope in the MCU. Yeah, probably. but, like, the women are going to have no part in any of the justice dealt, and no, no say in it. No, that, and that's and, also very MCU. Yeah, and that was, and with, like, Nebula and Gamora, no, no, it's and like, these the, are throwaway characters. That's an old trope. You it's know, an old like, trope. The bad guy treats women poorly, and good men have to save that woman like, and it's, that's an old trope yeah and it's not just women like killmonger where it's like um his girlfriend who we don't know like the old woman like it's not just throwaway people like it's real it, characters it's real characters and it's like his children yeah who are like big and like aiding this adventure but and also trying to stop him like that's what's like really frustrating no, to and me. it's like Nebula killing Nebula is supposed to be like Nebula's big moment in this movie. Yeah. Even though it's like okay, this Nebula is already on kind of Gamora's side and hates Thanos. So yeah. Like, why are we pretending that it's like a big moment that she like stops the other Nebula? No, exactly. She's been on like Gamora's side since really. Well, she's in two. on the time heist for the whole end game. So it's no, that's like a big true. Moment she really commits she... herself to like figuring this stuff out. She's the one who. Before they figure out that they can just trace the snaps, um, she's the one who tells them where Thanos can be found. She's like friends with Tony, and so it's like it's like Nebula. She doesn't have to prove her loyalty. This movie is a lot more interesting and fun if Nebula is a bigger deal in the final fight with Thanos. Yes. Um, Well, it goes back to like the way that she's like shortchanged with the like. Gamora fridging in Infinity War 2 where she's just made to stand to the side while Peter goes ham on Thanos. Yeah. No, exactly. Exactly. And it's hard because there are are Nebula scenes in this movie that I like and I like, I honestly like some of the Gamora and Nebula scenes. Well, I'm glad she didn't get snapped. No, and I'm, I'm very glad she didn't get snapped. 
that but that's a cool true. decision. That is a cool other decision. than that, it's she's still shortchanged. Yeah. Um. Thanos. Thanos, the Mad Titan. Not that we have to talk about him for that long. Yeah. But because he he isn't that interesting in this movie. Um, well, that's what it amounts to, really. Is that he's more interesting in Infinity War? He's a lot more interesting in Infinity War. In this movie, he's just kind of pure evil. In the last movie, he's like kind of burdened. Yeah. In this movie, he's more like, I'm gonna enjoy destroying this fucking earth. <laughs> no, no, that's true. He's like, you know what? I was wrong to just kill half of. I was wrong. To, yeah. He's like, I also need to control the narrative about that i need to um, be well he's basically like i need to be fully a god yeah which is like interesting because it's like in infinity war thanos was like not interested in that explicitly yeah. well so. it's like he destroyed the stones yeah no exactly and it's like how are the and maybe there's some sort of commentary there about how thanos was like in some way like deluding himself into thinking it was ever really anything about his power and that the second someone yeah. tried to like combat that it would become apparent yeah. But it's also, this movie is not substantive enough for that commentary. No, it's not. No, you have to be giving this movie so much leash to read that into Well, it's it. like, I have a hard time because it's like, basically Thanos and Tony never get a rematch because Tony's rematch with Thanos is... I am with, Iron Man. With 2013 Thanos or whatever. Oh, yeah, that's true. Thanos. 2014 Thanos. So it's with like, the, the Thanos that... Blade. The Thanos that told Tony, like, you're not the only one who's burdened with knowledge is like... Not the Thanos who fights Tony again. No, that's really true. And him, like, watching a TV show through Nebula's, like, hollow cam of... All of the events, we presume. Of inf- but him watching the MCU through <laughs> Nebula's, like, eye is, like, not the same as him, like, living that. Yeah. And, like, experiencing that for the first time as, like, a lived experience. Yeah. And so, like... It's not as interesting as, like, them fighting real Thanos. Yeah. And this is also, briefly, just my frustration with Gamora as well, the way that they bring Gamora back. And we talked about this a little bit in Guardians Volume 2, but it's, like, just getting old Gamora, you're just starting over again. Yeah. You're just starting over again. Like, why why do the most boring version? Like, it's just really frustrating. But what were you going to say about Thanos? I do still like the lore of Earth being that... Thanos killed half of everybody, and then Thor was the one who killed him. Yeah. That's still interesting to me. No, that is still interesting. I wish the movie dived into that more. I wish there was, like, a fucking statue of Thor with fucking, like, blood on it. Standing on, like, the Mad Titan's head. Yeah, it's like Thanos' head is here, and the Thor statue's here, and he's holding Stormbringer. Like, that. I love an Earth that's, like, kind of post-apocalyptic that's, like... And to be fair, this Earth is a little post-apocalyptic, yeah. but not too post-apocalyptic. Not too, no, not too. Not, but I not kind of like that vibe. Like well, that that's kind of reminiscent of COVID in some ways, where it's no, like, exactly, it's COVID is like, it's, similar. It's, it's like a, it's a world that is irreparably altered. However, it's still familiar. It's not like a fucking desert wasteland. No, that's true. Well, and it's like Scott visiting the memorial for like yeah. those who are lost, which I'm sure is only just like the bay or like San Francisco. No, well like there's going to be some kind of giant memorial. I'm sh- I'm certain for COVID once the vaccine comes out. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure there will be a few. I'm god. The vaccine In is- New York? Yes. Oh, yes. absolutely. Even though New York completely dropped the bag, like Yeah. Even though Cuomo was just like not it, I mean it's hard because it's like how does anyone handle a pandemic, but it is like 
there's a reason the United States is still struggling so much. No, we have, we have another friend who was, like, was so like difficult. calling unemployment constantly. Yeah. It's, the unemployment infrastructure isn't there. And yeah, to deal with like the mass amounts of people who were like suddenly unemployed. No, no, not in the Depression. No. no. I mean, it is a thing of like in 2008, we barely dealt with a recession that was simply a financial collapse. Yeah. And this is like a financial collapse brought on by like an external force. Yeah. That like cannot just be like wished away. No. Or like regulated away or anything. No, it isn't. I mean, my my hope is that because of the economic costs and the costs to capitalist society that... There's enough pressure to... There's enough pressure that we'll be ready for the next pandemic. Yeah. However, if that, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Um, and it's also like the next problem might not be a pandemic. It'll be some other shit we don't expect. I know. Um, but... This is also not the pandemic cast. No. Not the Well, yeah, now obviously I'm the pandemic about, cast like, is fucking more important stuff. than the end game cast, yeah. but like this is still an end game cast. Yeah. But yeah, um I imagine that there well, it, I imagine that there will be like monuments to Tony in New York City and the MCU. Yeah. Um, and probably to Steve and Thor. Well, no, well when you watch Far From Home, the monuments are in fucking Europe everywhere. Oh my god. Yeah, there's oh like, my God. no, you'll see. You have, Sasha's not seen Far I've not, it's the one MCU movie I haven't seen. It's the one MCU movie Sasha has seen. I've seen it one time. Yeah. And it's the last one we gotta do. Okay, what else we got on the list? Um, I just wanted to talk about the Tony funeral a little bit. Uh, yeah. Shouts out to, I forget his name, Kid from Iron Man 3. I like he's that you're there. there. I like that he's there. I like there. that you're there. Happy, oh my God. When Happy and Morgan <laughs> had that conversation about cheeseburgers, I was like, these are the worst characters in MCU. I do like cheeseburgers, though. I like cheeseburgers. That's the thing. I I like them as well. I sympathize with them. Morgan, yeah. Together. With Morgan, with Tony, with Happy. But Wait, Sasha, how'd you like In and Out? I like In and Out. Yeah. I like it. It's good. In and Out's good. In and Out's good. It's worth it. I want to go again. Yeah. Yeah. No, for real. Um, but yeah, I was like, oh, Happy, get out of here. <laughs> no, I know. No, I mean, it makes sense that he's there. I don't want him not there because it's like, look, Happy was there. Like, Happy's like, as much as I disdain, as much as I do not like this, um, he is an integral part of like the Iron Man like trilogy. Well, no, it's, it's John Favreau. So no, he is. He's, a, he's allowed a cameo, basically. He's allowed a role. It's not too much, but it's, yeah, not too it's much. still ridiculous. But I was just like, oh my God. One thing we talked about is how they told the actors that they were there for a wedding, which. It's frustrating. It's frustrating. Um, well, it's like, yeah, it was part of this whole like thing where like they also shot like I think like multiple like deaths and like multiple alternate scenes for a lot of stuff. Um, uh, I don't think they did like a whole alternate movie by any means, but yeah. um, like to keep things secret, um, and like to avoid leaks and shit like that always frustrates me because it's like leaks don't. There are leaks that happen during the production process. Yeah. But, like, a lot of leaks, from my experience as someone who kind of follows leaks from time to time, um, happen during, like, when the toys come out. Yeah. And, like, when, like, trailers haven't yet dropped, but people have seen them. Yeah. Um, and stuff. And those are more minor leaks than, like, character deaths, really. Yeah. But I'm like, why don't you just care about making, like, a good movie and directing your actors like real human beings instead of yeah. just, like, blindfolding them? And no, it's also exactly. like, how could, you, how, I feel. how could you film this scene and think it would be a wedding is beyond me. No, I it's understand. a fucking funeral. They Someone should like have figured a, it they out. They put like a wreath with his like heart into a lake. What yeah. wedding What wedding does that? Whose wedding was that supposed to be? Well, I mean, I'm sure that might have been like an editing 
I'm sure. No, so that's like, actually actors true. might not have seen that. No, like, that's true. But it is like everyone is wearing black. That that that's what that really gets me. Like, like the yeah. men in black suits look. I get like okay. But wedding everybody's color. wearing black. But everyone is wearing black. Some mm. people are wearing like full black. Carol has this like black like pantsuit type. That's thing. not a wedding outfit. That's not a wedding outfit. Not for Carol certainly. Not for Carol. Um. Pepper is wearing like full black. Morgan's wearing black. Like, yeah. it's just like Drax is fucking wearing black, <laughs> and he's not wearing a suit. Yeah, Groot is wearing nothing, but he's looking solemn. Drew showed up. Uh, Groot, not Drew. His name's not Drew. Groot showed up. I wish his name was like his like Earth name. I wish that was his Earth name, but Groot <laughs> shows up naked to this. <laughs> to yeah. this like very somber affair. Yeah. Um. There's also the scene at the funeral with um. Clint and what's her face, Scarlet Witch. Yeah. Where they're, I will say, they are bonding over the fact that they have both lost someone who cannot be brought back, which is Natasha and the Vision. The, the Vision. Um, but he's like talking to her about Natasha, and I'm just like, she, she doesn't have any relationship with Natasha no, that she we've doesn't. really seen she at all. No. Um, other than being, they're they're on opposite sides of the Civil War. Like they're not right. even on the same team. I will. Natasha does like. Natasha show up to is save kind her of in between, but in yeah. the like, um, at the beginning of Infinity War, and she like advocates for Vision. Um, yeah, but, but they're not tight. They're not tight. No, I was like, why isn't Clint having this conversation with like Steve, basically, or yeah. something like someone who like knew her. No, uh, but they did true. need to have like the like oh yeah vision wasn't brought back conversation I think um, no they didn't need to have I expected vision to be brought back I think when I first watched this movie so when he wasn't I was like kind of pleasantly surprised <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I was like ooh that one was real yeah no that one was real <laughs> F for Vigi but also there's gonna be a TV show so I'm sure there's some sort of workaround but yeah especially with the way Wanda is yeah well and it, it was like they. They put all of the stones back in the place that they took them, so I guess presumably Vision could be out there. The time tra- the time travel in this movie really does not make sense because yeah. they're so inconsistent about how things are and are not affected. It's really just like whatever they want to make the rules of the plot at that moment. Yeah. It, what's best. Well, we should talk about Tilda. Tilda, yeah, well, and Tilda shows up and I love it. Yeah, um, the scene with the sorcerer again, Supreme, she should not have been cast. Yeah, but Tilda shows up and I love it. Uh, the scene with the sorcerer Supreme is maybe like the best indicator of or the best ver- like example of this because previously Hulk is like, if you go back in the past, then the future is your future and like the past was you in the future, which I get, like I understand, like it's the concept of like. There are some versions of time travel where you just go back to the past, and if you can't really go back, then you just like live your life again in the past, basically. Like, yeah. there's like two of you, and you have to avoid each other and like stuff like that. Like, I, I kind of understand what he's saying, but the idea that there's no sort of ripple effect of any of your decisions is like what's insane to me. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, that doesn't make sense, and everyone's like, that makes sense, and then Tilda Swinton is like, that doesn't make sense for the stones yeah because it will like it makes reality like wonky and then there's yeah. like dark reality branches yeah um and so they have to keep it all together but it's like the bar is the bar should not just be the stones yeah. like steve being like bucky is alive to other steve should 
means something because yeah. Bucky means something to Steve. That's yeah. what it is. It's like the time travel doesn't matter for the characters that they engage with, but it somehow yeah. matters for these dumb MacGuffins. No, exactly. Well, one thing I want to say, I agree with you, but I want to zoom out for a sec. Yeah. Steve getting a hammer. That was a lot of people's favorite moment in this movie. And I just want to say, like, Steve doesn't do it. it Steve was always worthy. Yeah. And, and that's cool to me. Like, it's a cool moment. And, like, the, the eight-year-old boy in me loves it. But Steve, it's not like Steve becomes worthy in this movie and then he gets the hammer. No. It's not like that. And broadly, that's kind of my frustration with Endgame is that it's too fan service to have substance, even though I did enjoy it this time. Yeah. And I understand why people enjoyed it, and I understand why, and I frankly at this point understand why it was well received. There's just so little depth to it. Yeah. Um, well, and, and there's so little, there's so little real commentary on the characters and their motivations and well, who they are. And this is really, I think, where the comparison to The Last Jedi is the most interesting because The Last Jedi is a movie that completely disregarded fan service almost yeah. at every turn. Yeah. And people really hated it for it. Yeah. But it was a much more interesting and substantive. It had a movie. much more, like... It was much more shocking. What Endgame is to Tony is so, so much less interesting than what TLJ is to Luke Skywalker. I was thinking about that comparison when you talked about how they were like, this might be our gambit for Tony Oscar. Yeah. Because they tried... Lucasfilm or whoever is in charge of this... Tried to get Hamill an Oscar nom for TLJ. Well, frankly, I I would not have minded if he got a nom. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think I don't know who won, was but I don't know who was nominated that year, so I yeah. I don't want to disrespect whoever was, um, because I'm, sure, I'm like sure there Mark were Hamill, I'm sure there was worth worthy candidates. There. Yeah. However, I I love his performance so much. I love his movie. performance. Um, and I love Mark Hamill in anything, um, but. Like, what TLJ thinks about Luke Skywalker and what Luke Skywalker means to culture is is much, much more interesting than what Endgame thinks about Tony. Like, mm-hmm. Endgame doesn't even really think about Tony besides how do we lionize Tony and how yes. do we make his death be yes. And that's just... It's a simple idea. Well, and there are two things that TLJ does that really run completely contrary to that idea. One, it's like, how, how is Luke Skywalker a failure to those who lionize him? Yeah. Um, also, how is heroic sacrifice just kind of dumb masculine bullshit? Yeah. No, exactly. And like... And Endgame is like, no, those are two, like, lionizing people and... Um, sacrificing are like the the pinnacle no exactly exactly it's like it like tlj has luke die at the end but it's so much more interesting it's so much more interesting and it and it is it's an act of non-violence mm-hmm. as opposed to what tony does which is he kills his ultimate enemy yeah like with the ultimate power that he gained like yeah it's so much less interesting i mean yeah. I, it's hard to even compare it and then you get even, and then when you talk about DOFP, it's like even different. Like comparing, well, comparing what DOFP has to say about Charles Xavier. I know. To what um, Endgame has to say about Tony. Again, it's like so, so much less interesting. Mm-hmm. And it's like, and again, it's like I, I liked watching this movie. I had a bad day today. 
I had a shitty day today. Everyone who's listening to this podcast has had shitty days. I had a shitty day today. I felt bad about myself. And I watched Endgame and I, and I enjoyed it. So, like, credit to Endgame. I'm not going to take that away from it. I'm really not. I'm being completely sincere. I had a shitty day. And I watched Endgame and I liked it. And I felt better. And mostly because of Thor. But even the rest of it didn't take away. But this movie just doesn't teach you things. No. It, it just, it's just not worth thinking about for very long after you watch it. No, that's really um, true. And it's unfortunate because there's a lot of great actors in this. But the writing is not a commentary on basically anything. Yeah. Um, and I did like it better than Infinity War. And it will probably... I'm honestly like... I'm, I'm going to be really careful where I rank Endgame when I do my list. Yeah. And I think if I... Just off the top of my head, it's probably going to be in the top half. Um, just because I enjoyed it, but it, you know, as a movie that the people were like, Robert Downey Jr. deserves an Oscar, or this movie is like the best superhero, one of the best superhero movies ever, like, no. No, no. Well, it's like another movie you could compare it to is maybe The Dark Knight, like another movie that people like lionize. Yeah. And love, and like, The Dark Knight also has like, is much more critical of its heroes. Yes. And 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 the 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 you know hero's journey than this movie yeah. is, um, you know, but we don't need to drag the Dark Knight into this discussion either. So I'm not no. going to do that. No, yeah, but you're right. Um, there are other, all of those superhero movies that you listed. I would also throw into the Spider Verse into this category yeah. or movies that deal with failure in more substantive and interesting ways. Yeah. Um than Endgame. And the one the one subplot that does try to engage with it more meaningfully is the Thor subplot. Yeah. Um, and the scene with Frigg and stuff. Um, no, it's true. Tony's failure is, like, not at all. Well, like, again, it's like this... But it's not a Thor movie. No, it's not a Thor movie. And it's like... Ugh, that's what makes it hard. Well, it's like this movie... Like, the frustrating thing about Tony being, like, vindicated is, like, you wanted to care about your precious freedoms is it's like... Tony, part of the failure of the of Thanos winning, it's not just Cap blowing up the Avengers, it's like, but your role in that. Yeah. Um, and it's like, never reconciled. It's never reconciled. The fact that you created Gabagultron, um, yeah, and then like drew this like huge line in the sand about like what the government could and could not control about superheroes and then like you were just as culpable as cap in this basically yeah you you really really are and he doesn't really struggle with that failure in a meaningful way there's not really any failure of like the creative process for him and like getting to the solution he just kind of discovers time travel like all he needed was some sort of like push in the right it's like it was like beating a Zelda shrine. He just needed yeah. to like understand the logic a little bit better. Yeah. Like read like a hint online and then like it was cracked. Yeah. Um, and it's like the way that he deals like his ultimate failure is like not well it's it's interesting because it's like the the failure of the Avengers is that they couldn't save half of known life in the universe, not necessarily that they couldn't kill Thanos. Yeah. And those things are obviously connected. But it's like they rep and like you have to stop Thanos in order to protect that life. Um, but that's part of what's like I think kind of hollow about the like I am Iron Man like victory of like killing Well the Thanos Iron I, the else. I am Iron Man is simply a callback to the end of Iron Man one. And it's yeah. like 
just because it's, it's not a, the most meaningful callback. Just at all. because it's a callback doesn't make it meaningful. No, and, and it's this like, movie acts like as long as it's a callback, it's like has this depth to it, and it's yeah, not true. it's not true. And if you're gonna make a callback to Iron Man one, and we talked about this in our Iron Man Uno podcast, the one to make is Yinsen being like, make sure my sacrifice means something. Yeah, don't waste your life, Stark. Don't waste your life, and he didn't. And the fact, but and it's like. The fact that he comes out and says, I am Iron Man, is not the most interesting thing about, like, Tony's character in Iron Man 1. No. And it's not the most interesting thing about his life going forward. Yes, the fact that he is publicly Iron Man is, like, a big deal. Um, and it's kind of what made him a unique superhero at the time, because a lot of them did live, like, these double lives. Um, yeah. But it's, like, what ultimately made Iron Man who he was was he wasn't going to waste the life that he had been given. No, it's true. Well, again, he understood how yeah. precious his life was. It's like Erskine should have been in this movie. Yinsen should have been in this movie, or one of them. One it's, of them. It's tragic that neither of them showed up mm-hmm. to to give some kind of lesson that was connected. Frigg is the one who shows up and gives like a great lesson. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I think it's late. Yeah, maybe. I need to sleep. Yeah, I need to sleep. Maybe it's maybe it's that time. Yeah. Maybe we're in the end game now. We're in the end game now. All we have is far from home. Now all we have is far from home. Yeah. Crazy. Craziness. Crazy. 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 Natasha. Natasha. You have just listened to The Goblin Street, the one-stop shop for all of your genre media streaming, on-streaming review needs. On-streaming review needs. Unless it's not on-streaming yet, which... Hopefully it will be. Sometimes we review stuff. Sometimes we review stuff that we just have on DVD. Yeah. This is the Goblin Streak once again. Tell all your friends about it because it's your one-stop shop for (laughs) genre media on streaming streaming. being reviewed by two goblins. Two goblins. We're actual goblins.